Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Much like the Dallas Cowboys decided to on Divisional Weekend, we have taken a week off on Hidden Yardage, but back with you, Sean Martin, David Hellman, here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, and we have a Super Bowl matchup and a rematch at that between the San Francisco 49ers, led by Kyle Shanahan, and the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Andy Reid. Of course, a million different ways to split up and dissect those teams, all of which will be done over the next two weeks, Reid versus... Um, Shanahan being just the first as, as well as Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy and what well, a list will go on from there but we have a very coach oriented show for you today so I wanted to start with the head coach matchup we have news from around the NFC East about the Eagles decision to bring in of course a familiar face to everybody in Cowboys Nation none other than Kellen Moore after he spent the year as offensive coordinator for the Chargers, and then their decision defensively to hire Vic Fangio, who also has some interesting history when it comes to his uh, past matchups, as recent as this past year, when he was with the Dolphins, of course, and that winning for the Dolphins in December over the Cowboys. Vic Fangio now off to call the Eagles defense, along with Kellen Moore, for the offense. Where does the Cowboys coaching staff stand, as far as they're still relatively stagnant offseason and not feeling much of a fall-off from the Green Bay loss. We'll get into all of that. So David Howman is here, like I said, and we are recording this really only a matter of minutes after the 49ers punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. So we have to kind of just start there, don't we? For anyone that, of course, watched the 49ers Lions, and hopefully that's all of you because what a game it was, what a championship weekend it was, but 49ers Lions down to the wire. There was a split moment in the first half, and this is just, you know, pure hopium, and, you know, the Joneses can write me a check for this one, but there was a split moment in the first half where I I hope I wasn't the only Cowboys fan that was watching the 49ers struggle saying, man, we could be in this game. (laughs) Give give us this chance at this 49ers team as if they didn't beat us 42-10 to earlier this year, and the Cowboys didn't even hold up their part of making it to the divisional round. But nonetheless, the Niners come all the way back from a 24-7 halftime deficit, and they punched the ticket to the Super Bowl alongside Kansas City. Yeah, it was it was a tough one to watch for Cowboys fans. You know, obviously we all have the history, you know, the last few years with the 49ers knocking the Cowboys out of the playoffs. And, you know, I don't, I don't really consider it a rivalry on the level of, you know, any of their NFC East opponents. But obviously there is some historical element there back in the, the 90s. Um, you know, with the catch and of course the last couple of years, I, th- I would probably imagine most Cowboys fans were hoping for a Lions win here, um, partly so that we don't have to watch Brock Purdy go to the Super Bowl and all the talk about that's going to be around that. But also just because between those te- two teams, the Cowboys beat one of them, it would be nice to be able to say, oh, yeah, we beat that team that's in the Super Bowl. You know, after all the narratives that we heard throughout the season of how the Cowboys can't beat good teams, um, that would uh 
probably be the closest thing the Cowboys fans could get to some solace right about now at this point of a, a pretty um, contentious offseason so far for them. So um, to, to see the way that it unfolded, uh, kind of disappointing from, from a Cowboys angle on that. But just a really good game, like you were saying. Um, Lions started out real hot and they looked like they were ready to to answer the call. But then, of course, the 49ers reminded everyone why they've been one of the most dominant teams the last three years or so. Um, they they just have a lot of talent. They have, uh, you know, really good schemes on both offense and defense. And, you know, at, at a certain point, they were able to make some adjustments. They certainly got a few lucky plays, like, you know, that one that bounced off the defender's face mask <laughs> into Brandon Ayuk's hands, which, honestly, I think that's the most frustrating thing for me. Uh, watching the 49ers and and I had tweeted this out during the game too is they have so much talent on on offense and defense I mean they have probably the best skill player group you know in the entire NFL they've got a, you know an embarrassing assortment of riches on the defensive line uh their linebackers are outstanding but then they win these games in like the the dumbest ways possible like <laughs> just pure luck of the draw and it's like it's one thing to have like the best players and then just like dominate because you have the best players, but like to have great players and then also just get lucky when things aren't going your way is just annoying unless you're a fan of that team, which of course we're not. Um, we're, we're instead fans of the team that has lost to them quite a few times in, in the last few years. So that makes it just a, a touch bit more annoying to, to watch that unfold in the way that it happens. Well, you can call it a couple of different things. You call it, I'll get a draw. I'll call it putting yourself in the position to, you know, have those bounces go your way. Cause that's not an unfamiliar thing to be talking about when it comes playoff time. It's like, Hey, we know it's unpredictable. We know, you know, best roster doesn't always win. Best quarterback doesn't always win, even though it's starting to look that way with the way, you know, Mahomes has proven in this specific year that he can win on the road in the postseason, not only doing it in some uh, cold and windy and rainy conditions in Buffalo, but now in Baltimore as well. So, you know, can't obviously say enough about him, but we'll let our friends over at, uh, you know, the Chiefs site for us, uh, you know, spend two weeks talking about Mahomes. But you have to put yourself in position to even have those bounces go your way, and then you can give yourself a chance. And that's what makes, you know, the Cowboys loss going all the way back to wildcard week getting against the Packers so frustrating. It's not only did they not give them a chance to advance in the postseason, in that very game, they didn't really give themselves a chance to even compete against Matt LaFour and the Packers, who also put up a pretty good fight against San Francisco. So, yeah, all things considered, we don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of, you know, well, yeah, remember the year where, you know, the Cowboys could have had a chance at this team, which didn't look good against this team that they also beat. You know, the Cowboys didn't show up on their own home turf for a wild card game against the Packers, and that's the reality of this season. That's the reality of a type of loss that we should see some fallout from, but we've yet to um, to do so. But yet it circles back to, and this isn't defending anything that the Cowboys have done yet this all season. There's a long way to go. We'll be here, you know, of course, covering it for you every week, and soon it'll be the all season for every team. So we'll dive much more into free agency and the draft in the weeks to come. But right now we have another game left to play on the season. It's to decide a championship. And after all the talk of, you know, is the right decision to go with one of these young up-and-coming play callers like a Ben Johnson, who, who will now be, of course, kind of under the microscope as far as how the second half just went for Detroit and losing this NFC Championship game, or the, you know, do you go with the trendy defensive pick? Of all that talk of what's the right 
coach combination, who's going to be the hot next thing that can lead a team to the Super Bowl. We get Reed versus Sanahan. You know, Maine stays in the playoffs in this game. Sanahan, his second Super Bowl appearance. Of course, his other appearance was a loss to this very Pat Mahomes, Andy Reed led the Kansas City Chiefs team. And then Reed himself in his fifth, fourth of Kansas City, back to back now, trying to, you know, further cement a Hall of Fame career for not only himself, but feels a little bit ridiculous to say with Mahomes just turning 28, which I did myself as well, um, that he's already in back to back Super Bowls and has won Super Bowls and MVPs and is a Hall of Famer, but he is. So that legacy just continues to be written at you know, a rate that we might never see again in the NFL. So taking the Chiefs out of this for a second, as far as the big picture of what they are, again, we opened the show talking Sanahan, Reed. Where does that kind of leave your mindset on the Cowboys so far being stagnant with their coaching hires? And um, also the news, of course, that Dan Quinn, you know, seemingly is inching closer to being back here in Dallas. He will interview a second time with the Commanders. That is happening tomorrow here on Tuesday. They are also talking to Ben Johnson, so we'll be offensive defense for another opening in the NFC. And then the Seahawks, of course, continue to be a potential option for him to go back to. So nothing set in stone yet, but it's seeming more and more likely that teams are kind of souring on the defensive performance by the Cowboys down the stretch. That is hurting Dan Quinn as a defensive coach. Will it hurt Ben Johnson as an offensive coach based on how the Lions season just ended, that remains to be seen. But, it, you know, that's another shot of the NFC. As it relates to Dallas, how do you see this coaching staff kind of uh, shaping up right now? Well, I, I think we're probably going to see a good bit of continuity here. Uh, that's how things tend to be trending right now. We've heard a lot uh, over the last week or so that the Cowboys are content to keep Dan Quinn, assuming he doesn't take one of those head coaching jobs. And the way things have been trending, I mean – you know, you mentioned he's he's interviewing again for the commander's job. Um, the interest in Seattle has been evident right from the moment that job became open. But it does kind of seem like uh, the commander's job, a lot of the whispers have been that, you know, ever since they hired Adam Peters as their new general manager, the whispers have been that he wants to pair, uh, he wants to pair his hire as GM with Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Apparently there's there's been a connection there between those two. Um so now that the Lions are out of the playoffs, of course, they're now free to go ahead and make that decision. Um, the Seahawks, I know, have also been connected with the Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. And of course, with the Ravens also being eliminated, that could be something that we see come together as well. Um, so Dan Quinn was kind of in this spot where like, you know, these teams can hire him if they really want to, but they also you know want to do their due diligence and still talk to some of these assistants that are um, on team still playing. And now you know, both of those teams, the Ravens and Lions are out of it. So I, I think we could get some clarity real quickly this week in the f- first few days of this week. Um, and, and probably my guess would be um, Dan Quinn is coming back to Dallas as a defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, obviously that's that will probably result in a lot more hand-wringing, similar to the, the news of like Mike McCarthy being retained. Um but I also don't think that that means that there won't be any sort of changes. There seems to be this uh, this sentiment that that I definitely understand after the way that the season ended for the Cowboys. But this sentiment of like, how can you be okay just running this team back um, as if keeping your head coach and defensive coordinator in place means that you're just going to try the exact same thing over and over again? And for me, the reality is like, 
the Cowboys have had three straight 12 win seasons. And I understand the success in the postseason hasn't been there yet, but overall, like it's been a successful three year run. It's been the most successful three year run the Cowboys have had since they were, you know, a dynasty in the nineties. So, um, you know, a lot of that has been their defense. That's for the most part has put up exceptional results since Dan Quinn got to Dallas. Uh, Mike McCarthy just took over play calling and, put forth, you know, best season of Dak Prescott's career, best season of CeeDee Lamb's career, all the different numbers that were a significant improvement over last year's offense. So um, like they're, they're clearly onto something here, at least as it relates to getting to the playoffs. And of course you can't even talk about, you know, failing to live up to playoff expectations if you don't make the playoffs in the first place. And Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn have, you know, put into place something here where, they're consistently making the playoffs. So I don't, I don't really, I personally can't go along with the logic of, you know, hitting the reset button and getting rid of them. Um, that said, there do definitely need to be some adjustments uh, on both sides, you know, on offense. It, it was a very good offense throughout the year, but there was a little that was left to be desired in the run game. I believe that they're probably going to be trying to make some tweaks on that with the personnel. They've got a lot of big, financial decisions to make with the offensive line and the running back position in this offseason. That'll be interesting to monitor. Uh, defensively, you know, the the number one uh, common denominator has been Dan Quinn's defense has historically struggled against uh, teams that run the Shanahan style of offense. That's something that they're really going to need to take a look at. Um, whether or not Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator, um, you know, the I mean, obviously they've had some success with this scheme and the way that Quinn tends to run the defense, but um, they definitely need to figure out what the solution is to beating the offense that is now, you know, the most popular scheme in the NFL and almost like half the league is now running it or looking to run a version of it. Um, So that's a change that they need to make. But I think a lot of that comes down to tweaking the schemes that they currently have in place where it's like, you don't need to completely throw everything out the door. You just need to make some fixes, whether that's uh, some some changes to the scheme a little bit or upgrading your personnel. Um, you know, I, I think that we'll see some moves in this offseason that reflect that kind of mindset. Um, but as far as keeping the keeping the staff together, there could be some changes on like the position coach level. Um, we'll see how that plays itself out, but. I think keeping this head coach and this uh, defensive coordinator together, that's won you, you know, all these games the last three years. I mean, obviously you still want to go further in the playoffs, but, you know, keeping that group together is is definitely a winning proposition in my mind. And as you said, the Cowboys certainly value, you know, the continuity they've had in the regular season. They value the stability, not just on the football side of things that Mike McCarthy has brought in a lot of areas, including this past season, of course, being his first as a play caller, the career seasons that we saw statistically, at least from Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb, but as well as, you know, some call them intangible things. And that's kind of a catch-all word in the football world that for every team means something different. Around here, it's, you know, things like being a steady voice in the press conference and not, you know, creating too many headlines for yourself. Those things still matter. Here in Dallas, to what extent, you know, they should or is that holding them back is discussion for another time but I think you're on to something you know mentioning the run game because you know there, there still is this sense of you know yes we've calmed down a bit after the Packers loss as far as visceral and immediate reactions to you know a no-so at home which was so surprising considering the Cowboys came into that playoff game with a 16 game home win streak but 
you know, the on-field does need to be the next place we look in terms of where this team can make changes. There was, you know, the immediate outcry of, you know, how can you not move on from McCarthy and be reactionary now met by the fact that, you know, the last two coaches standing are mainstays and, you know, these trendy um, up-and-coming coaches, maybe you catch lightning in the bottle, maybe you don't, you know, at least this year did not work out. We're about to talk about, you know, the most uh, likely obstacle to the Cowboys moving forward in the division in terms of sustained success and are they still on the path to being a 12-win NFC East champion type of team next year or not. The Philadelphia Eagles will likely have the biggest say in that and we'll talk about um, what they did on both their coordinator positions. But I'm glad you mentioned the run game because we didn't talk about the divisional games between the Niners and Packers, but that was my biggest takeaway watching that game was, man, this looks like two teams that actually know how to do what the Mike McCarthy offense tried and failed to do so many times this year. I mean, it's this West Coast. Everybody wants a piece of it. It gets the best of you know the good defenses, even Dan Quinn's, whether you want to call it good or not, based on the you know, recency bias, up to you. But this, this offense that seems to you know take the league by storm was basically a shell of itself when trying to be ran by McCarthy and the Cowboys. They were only good when you know they kind of switched things up, aired it out, kind of played their own style. I, let Dak be his own type of player and improv to see the lamb. That was your best offense all year long. When you went into this traditional West Coast cell that really only sowed its head on the road games. Of course, we know about the road struggles and how different the offense looked. That is when you saw this offense really slow down. I saw a 49ers team and a Packers team that met in the divisional round that played that same offense, but damn, they look so much better at it and stretching defenses, not only vertically, but horizontally, running the ball physically between the tackles. The Cowboys just didn't have the personnel to do that this year. They sort of tried. They still ran the same type of plays that Tony Pollard. We all convinced ourselves in the offseason that Pollard could be that guy, and he was going to take full advantage of it, and they tried to give him those opportunities down in and down out in a contract year for him, now about to head into free agency. But certainly he was not on the level of, you know, a Christian McCaffrey. That goes without saying he's on a level of his own, heading to the Super Bowl now. They'll have to lean on him, of course, to uh, p- perhaps keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands as we talk about that matchup against the Chiefs and 49ers. But yeah, I saw the difference in the run game and the Lions, unfortunately, on that side of things, you know, talking about next round for the 49ers, the Lions were forced to get away from their run game once the game snowballed to being tied in the second half and then the 49ers ultimately taking a lead in the fourth quarter. But for as much heat as Ben Johnson's going to get this week, man, let's not lose sight of the first half and the way he had those run game concepts going too. So that's where I think the Cowboys can make the biggest strides. Maybe it is slightly too soon after the Packers lost to, you know, be getting into the nuance of, well, if you're keeping McCarthy, actually here's what he can do better. But I am with you that, you know, they've been steady with 12 wins already and some significant commitment and, you know, retooling of the run game can really see this team uh, continue to take the next step, which I know is, you know, a hated word and there is no way they could take the next step under McCarthy. That's all people want me to say, but the run game is something that we have to keep a very close eye on this offseason for the Cowboys. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they go about making those tweaks and adjustments. Um, of course, uh, you know, I mean, McCarthy runs his, you know, offense based out of the West Coast offense. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has its roots in the West Coast as well, but they are kind of different in that, you know, fundamentally like Kyle Shanahan's version of the West Coast, which he picked up from his father, Mike Shanahan. Um, It's always been a run first kind of West Coast approach. 
Um, and, and he's really, Kyle has really modernized it with, you know, his, his embrace of, of, uh, of, of the pre-snap motion and all the shifts and, um, some of the, some of the different, uh, formations that the more modern NFL has taken into account, like, you know, working out of condensed formations, working out of uh, bunch formations. Um, but it's always been based around having a really productive, consistent run game. Whereas McCarthy comes from a variant of the West Coast that's always been very pass happy. So um, I, I do expect that the Cowboys will remain a pass happy offense going forward. And when you have a guy like Dak Prescott with weapons like C.D. Lamb and Jake Ferguson and Brandon Cooks, that makes sense. Um, but they also, I think, understand that there were times this season where, you know, for whatever reason, the pass game just wasn't clicking and they needed to be able to rely on their run game. And most of the time they were not able to. So I expect them to really look at that when they're making decisions on, you know, pending free agents on the offensive line, whether it's Terrence Steele or Tyler Biotish, um, you know, Tyron Smith as well. And then looking at the running back room with Rico Daddle and Tony Pollard, both being free agents. Um, we'll see how they approach that, but um, kind of flipping the script a little bit from the comparison of like McCarthy versus Shanahan, but looking at the other coach that's now in the Super Bowl again is Andy Reid. And it's kind of funny to think like when Mike McCarthy first got hired in Dallas, one major comparison for him was Andy Reid, because of course, you know, Reid had been in Philadelphia as their head coach for a very, very long time and had a little bit of a similar career arc there to what Mike McCarthy had in Green Bay. Obviously, the big difference being McCarthy got to the Super Bowl and won, whereas Reed got to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots, um, but had kind of a similar uh, similar general path there. You know, Reed in Philadelphia was uh, 130-93-1. McCarthy was 125-77-2. Um, both of them had, uh, you know, got fired at the end of their last year with just four wins on the season. Um, obviously, McCarthy got fired middle of the year as opposed to Reed, who was let go after the season. But um, that that was always a pretty obvious comparison there of Reed going to the Chiefs, similar to McCarthy going to the Cowboys. Um, and, and just for, you know, some fun context of, of considering as, as we look at whether or not the Cowboys made the right decision to stick with McCarthy, Reed in his first four years in Kansas City, uh, three playoff appearances, one and three in the playoffs, failed to reach the conference championship game in any of those seasons. And then, of course, the Chiefs kept him. The next year he went to the playoffs again, was a one and done in the playoffs. The next year uh, goes 12 and four, wins the division. Um, and that's the time when they they reached the conference championship for the very first time, got eliminated by the Patriots. And then the next year they go back and they win the Super Bowl completely. Um, but over those first four years, one and three in the playoffs, three playoff appearances, four years into McCarthy's time in Dallas, same thing. You know, three playoff appearances, one and three in the playoffs, hasn't reached the conference championship game. Um, and I, I think that's important to keep in mind as well as like, you know, Reed had a tough time getting to the pinnacle for a while. And obviously there was a lot of change to that Chiefs roster from when he took over to what he has now. Patrick Mahomes wasn't the quarterback at that point. That certainly helps. Um, but it, it just goes to show that, you know, Andy Reid, widely revered as one of the best coaches in football right now, and now he's in the Super Bowl again, and it almost feels boring at this point to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because we've gotten so used to it at this point. Yeah, Chiefs fatigue is a very real thing, and I'm starting to get yeah. to it. Right when, I, right when I left Texas, I had a friend who was like adamant about it, and I was still trying to 
you know, talking out of it. I'm like, oh, you have to, you know, appreciate greatness while we're watching it. We did the same thing with Brady, didn't we? And now I'm, uh, I'm right there with him, uh, you know, keeping in touch over text uh, while I'm here in Montana. Um, right there with him on being a bit tired of this Chiefs team. It's why I tried to focus on, you know, talking about Shanahan and the 49er side of things, not because I see more ties to the Cowboys that way, but, you know, Mahomes are just the great, you know, we used to say when Belichick's Patriots teams are so dominant, you know, don't try to emulate them because you just can't. You can't emulate, you know, what Mahomes brings on game day in the terms of just how consistent he is in finding a way to win the biggest games on the biggest stages. And so that's, you know, something that another team can't go out and accomplish. And, you know, certainly Dak Prescott uh, has unfortunately shown us that in his playoff career. You know, he's going to need to be surrounded by the right situation to do so. And that's why we're discussing if McCarthy and everything that's around Prescott right now going into, you know, an absolute hourglass Sanders running out type of year is the right situation. but yeah, the Chiefs fatigue is very real, and I'm right there with you on it. Yeah, and, and and it's it's kind of funny to just think like a few years ago, you know, there were like legitimate conversations about one, you know, when Mahomes became the starter of like, oh, did they make the right decision to move on from Alex Smith, or you know, even going back before then of like, is Andy Reid actually, you know, is he still the guy? Is it, can he still be as successful in Kansas City as he was in Philly? Um, but, and I mean, I, I look at that and I just say, it's hard to win. I mean, we know it's hard to win just in general in the NFL, but it's really hard to win in the playoffs once you get there because uh, you're going up against the best of the best. And and Andy Reid certainly for his first few years had a lot of struggles winning in the playoffs. And, and now we're seeing the same thing with Mike McCarthy. And I just, I, I look at that and I think, yeah, that's just that's how it is. Not everyone gets spoiled to be like the Patriots or Chiefs where you where you have either, you know, the best quarterback to ever do it in Tom Brady or the next best quarterback to ever do it in Pat Mahomes where like those are the two exceptions where they're like always in the conference championship game, always in the Super Bowl. Um, but for 30 other teams, it's it's incredibly hard to get there. It's incredibly hard to get to the Super Bowl. So, I understand the frustration about you know, Mike McCarthy being billed as the guy who was going to get him over the hump and he hasn't gotten him over the hump yet. But that was the same thing for Andy Reid, his first few years in Kansas City. He wasn't able to get him over the hump and the Chiefs stuck with him because they knew what they had. And, you know, they, they've been able to have so much success because they stuck with a coach that they knew and believed in. And that's kind of where I'm at with Mike McCarthy. He might prove me wrong. He might, you know, completely fizzle out. The pressure might get too much at which point, you know, the Cowboys will make the, the decision that they make. But for right now, I see enough similarities still between him and Andy Reid when he first went to Kansas City. So seeing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, you know, for like we said, it's it's a bit fatiguing at this point. But if that's end up, if that ends up being the path the Cowboys go on, where then, you know, they get rewarded for sticking with McCarthy, I, I can promise you Cowboys fans will not get tired of it. And if McCarthy is going to make the Cowboys' loyalty in him pay off with seemingly just a year to do so, contract year now for him, how should he be feeling about Dan Quinn potentially returning as defensive coordinator? There was, you know, of course, a long stretch going into part of this season, but the year before and before that as well, where you could say, of course, that would be a great thing because McCarthy's only other DC hire was Mike Nolan in his first year, and I think we all vaguely remember how much of a disaster that was COVID year aside and, you know, some things that weren't working in the Cowboys coaching staff favor that year for other reasons, but still the Mike Nolan error only lasted one brief forgettable year. And then you brought in Quinn and saw an immediate turnaround 
Although just like, you know, offensive schemes get figured out, it sure seemed like down the stretch, this Quinn defense is, uh, you know, something that's tiring a bit on the Dallas side of things, especially personnel-wise, when you think about having to bring in another coordinator and trying to pick up the pieces of like, what do you mean I don't have any true linebackers here? Like, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, can you convince this front office to go spend another first-round pick on a linebacker um, given their other needs? And we'll get down that road as we start talking more draft, but it's almost incomprehensible that we can be having a conversation where, you know, McCarthy doesn't want Dan Quinn back, or that's not what's best for the Mike McCarthy-led Cowboys. But if this is, you know, the make-or-break year that it is certainly playing out to be, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, how should he be feeling about, you know, tying his wagon to, on the defensive side of the ball, Dan Quinn, um, in this game? You, know, you saw a 49ers defense in, in a championship game that really struggled in the first half of this, of of that game, and you saw the Lions be able to run the ball against them, much like Green Bay and some other teams were able to run against the Quinn defense. So is this just a league-wide trend where, you know, run defenses can be fluky and game scripts are game scripts, and you have to, you know, take teams out of the run by passing and putting pressure offensively in such a pass-happy league, which the Cowboys only did here and there this year and not consistently enough down the stretch, and certainly not at all when they asked Prescott to, to drop back 60 times which is a career high in the wild card game against the Packers. Is that, you know, the modern NFL run defense or can the Cowboys do something personnel wise, even with Quinn in place and the way he likes to play and line up um, to improve the run defense? You know, the run game is one thing. We already addressed that. And that's a very Mike McCarthy thing because he talks about it a lot and he calls the plays now and they'll have say in what they do there. But, if this is Dan Quinn so defensively, you know, how should McCarthy be feeling about that, knowing how important it is to the rest of the team and his future and everything as it concerns the Cowboys right now? Well, I think that's that's uh, something we'll see as, as they go into the personnel moves, really. Um, but, I mean, what we've seen with Dan Quinn since he got to Dallas and one of the reasons why he almost immediately became such a hot head coaching candidate after he got to Dallas um, is he completely – I don't want to say completely changed up his scheme, but he definitely tweaked his scheme in a in a pretty radical way from what he had done in Atlanta and then before that as a defensive coordinator in Seattle where that was a defense that, I mean, so much of it philosophically was tied to the way that they played the run. Um, they were frequently stacking the box. They were frequently, um, you know, have they would you know always have a one tacker or a nose tackle um, who was pretty big and hefty. They used to have really big defensive linemen in Seattle and and to a degree in Atlanta. Um, and, and then since he got to Dallas, uh, you know, he, he kind of changed his philosophy a little bit. And, and I think at the time it was very much the right move because the NFL had become more pass happy than it ever had been. And it, it was like, if you're going to go up against you know, Patrick Mahomes or, you know, even Tom Brady, he was, uh, he was in Tampa at the time and, you know, all, all these other pass happy offenses, like you had to affect the pass first and foremost. And so Quinn came in and said, we're going to disguise our coverages at a really high rate. Um, we're going to run a lot of press men because we have the guys to do that. And we're going to just wreak havoc up front with the pass rush. And the whole philosophy was built around affecting the pass. And at the time Quinn said, you know, if you want to run us, run on us, you can run on us. And for the most part, you're just going to be hurting yourself because as long as the Cowboys are scoring on offense themselves or at times scoring on defense, which they have done at a fairly high rate since Quinn got here, um, you know, you're, you're only 
costing yourself time on the clock to keep up with the Cowboys. So that was kind of their approach. And for the first two years, it, it generally worked pretty well. And for most of this past season, it worked well too. But that's where, you know, we've run into this issue now with the struggles specifically against the Shanahan scheme, which, you know, they're designed to run the ball. They're designed to play with the lead. And so when you run up against a defense like Dan Quinn's, that is pretty much saying, if you want to run, you can go ahead and run. Um, that's where you're going to really run into some of those issues. So I think with how much the NFL has adopted this scheme all throughout the league over the last couple of years, hopefully the, you know, the hope is that Dan Quinn is taking note of that and saying, Hey, you know, most of the NFL is running this offense now. That's kind of tailor made to beat my defense. So there's going to be some changes that have to happen there. Maybe it's going back to the well of some of the stuff they did in the past in Atlanta and Seattle. Maybe it's, um, you know, changing some of the splits, you know, with their defensive linemen. If you go back and watch that Packers game, I know it's very, very difficult to watch it at this point, but you see, you know, there's so much space between the defensive linemen that, you know, they just have bad angles. They have bad run fits in that game. And, and a lot of that is because they're trying to get some spacing for the pass rushers to get really good angles uh, or to execute their stunts, which, you know, the Dan Quinn's defense over the last three years leads the league in, in, you know, rate of, of stunts on the defensive line. Um, that's another part of the scheme that he added in and, you know, that, that just hurts you when you're going against a run-heavy offense. So there needs to be some changes there. I, I don't think that it's uh, – it, it's definitely not something that Quinn just doesn't have the answers for, but it's also, I think, a bit of a change that it's not something you can do on the fly during a season. That has to be more of an off-season install thing. So hopefully, and I would I would believe that, you know, when, when the coaches went through their exit interviews – uh, I, I would believe that McCarthy kind of had that conversation with Quinn and they both probably if, if they're willing to stick together and and, you know, run it back again, that probably means that they both came up with a solution of what they think is going to be the way to move forward. Because if that's not the case and they basically just said, uh, you know, we'll do it again and get them next year, maybe next yeah. year's chance, then we're in trouble. Then Then it's a real big issue if, you know, they didn't take any lessons away from this, but Given what we know about Mike McCarthy, given what we know about Dan Quinn, I have a hard time believing that you go and lose to a seventh seed first time ever that a seventh seed's won a playoff game and just say, ah, it's nothing. That won't happen again. We'll get them next time. So I think they have a plan. And of course, I don't know what the plan is. Um, Cowboys didn't include me on that email, but uh, I think we'll see that as they get into the, the roster moves this offseason. And when you look at, you know, the Cowboys' potential plan to run it back, it certainly could lead to an interesting, and, you know, we say that with a grain of salt, knowing how experienced we are covering Cowboys' free agent periods, and how sometimes they can be dull and bargain bin shopping, and, you know, the draft is its own thing way down the line at this point as well. But it certainly leads to, you know, what we can only expect to be one of the more interesting player acquisition periods because you know there's only so many phases during the offseason you can get better during the Cowboys did not try to take a big swing and gamble doing you know what was a pretty quick uh, coaching carousel again just to update like we did off the top of the show as far as where the coaching carousel stands as far as what's been hired and how that affects the Cowboys and what is still out there so Dan Quinn interviewing with the commanders and they will have this you know 
philosophical choice, if you will, between offense, defense, because their top two choices at this point seem to be not only Quinn, but Lions offensive coordinator whose season just ended, Ben Johnson. And then Quinn's former team, the Seahawks, not only interested in him because of the former connection to his time building that Legion of Boom defense, but you know, Seattle, even under Carroll, has been known to be a team that you know isn't afraid to not follow what the trends are, to do their own thing, to put their own feet in front of them, and you know not care what anybody else thinks, right? And I looked at their other interviews going on as well, and it's interesting to see you know how defensive they're leaning, and it's not just Quinn and then all these other offensive minds that everybody else wants to talk to and buy up, but Panthers defensive coordinator. A coordinator, a hero, a vero. Ben Johnson is on the Seahawks second interview list as well, but how can you not be? But then the list continues defensively. It's uh, Ravens DC, Mike McDonald, Patrick Graham from the Raiders, and then they are talking to another offensive coach in Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. So Seattle seems to be one of the only teams still really thinking defense. Washington has this choice to make between Quinn and Johnson. Um, where do you stand on you know, seeing how this affects the NFC East as far as we'll talk about the big picture, which is Eagles here in a second, in a second to end the show. But, you know, how do you see the commander's choice between Johnson and Quinn kind of sending that, that sock wave through the Dallas organization, particularly the front office to look at it and say, okay, are we overvaluing in, it, it would be a long time coming for them to stare in the mirror and realize this, to be honest, but are we overvaluing, you know, what we have here, both personnel wise, players and coaches, when the commanders potentially pass on Quinn, Seattle could pass on him, and you're looking at bringing him back, even though these teams are going with much more potentially inexperienced head coaches or even positional coaches who can now become head coaches as opposed to just hiring a guy like Quinn or Kellen Moore, who once again didn't get a head coaching opportunity and moves on from the Chargers to now the Philadelphia Eagles, so the Cowboys will get a front row seat to see the continued development of uh, Kellen Moore as a coach in this league. Yeah, I think... uh... Honestly, I don't think that it, the decision of the commanders would really send too much of a message on how the Cowboys value Quinn. Um, of course, the, you know, the Cowboys right now, they have Quinn in the role of defensive coordinator. And um, obviously this, the tail end of the season this year didn't go so well for them defensively, but for the, I mean, overall on this season, it was still a pretty good season statistically, you know, their efficiency metrics were still very high on defense the two years before that, you know, very, very good seasons from, from Quinn and his defense. Um, so obviously I, I think he's very much performed well in his role as defensive coordinator. And of course, you know, hiring someone as a head coach is very different from hiring them as a coordinator. So I understand if, if, you know, the commanders are making that distinction of, well, you know, he's been a good defensive coordinator, but, you know, we've also seen what he does as a head coach and maybe that's not what we want. Um, you know, and then also there's just the whole, the whole trend of a lot of teams when they hire, they tend to prefer offensive head coaches. They tend to prefer someone who calls their own plays on offense because that way you're pretty much guaranteed to have continuity on the offensive side of the ball, provided that the coach actually works out for you, you know, looking at Atlanta and Arthur Smith and, and, you know, even going further back, like Adam Gaze with both the Jets and the Dolphins. There are plenty of experiences where that line of thinking didn't quite work out, but but um, you know if you if you want to get someone who's going to call plays like Ben Johnson, the best way to do that is to hire Ben Johnson. And um, so so I understand if that's the thinking that they go with. Um, I also would be kind of happy if if the Cowboys don't have to face Dan Quinn twice a year, even if 
you know, even regardless of your thoughts on him as a coach, like he still comes with a lot of institutional knowledge on this team. He knows, you know, he knows uh, Mike McCarthy's offense well at this point. He knows the scheme on defense very well. He knows these players inside and out. Um, you know, one of the things the players have raved about with him is his ability to connect with everyone, not just the guys on the defensive side. So uh, to have someone in your division that has that kind of deep knowledge um, of your team, that that wouldn't be great. Um, and, and of course, as you've alluded to, they're also going to have that situation now with the Eagles. Of course, with Kellen Moore, he had been with the Cowboys for quite a while, both as a player and a coach. And then Vic Fangio never coached for the Cowboys, but of course he's, uh, I think he's still kind of patting himself on the back from that game back in 2021 where he was like, oh, of course he is. <laughs> no, nobody played him right till, till I came along. And, you know, I was so happy to prep this show as an, I didn't have any intention to make it as so coach oriented. It just kind of came together that way based <laughs> on how it went. But I was so happy knowing you were, you know, going to be my partner for the day on this because nobody knows likes diving into the stuff more and and playing the you know charlie and always sunny meme of connecting the dots between these coordinators like you do especially when it comes to fangio so uh throwing you a bone on that one but you've taken you've taken it and ran with it as i fully expected yeah i mean the like when when they played the dolphins this year nobody was more excited for the mike mccarthy vic fangio feud to be renewed than than i was i think most people had forgotten about that little brief exchange of words. Um, But I mean, it it was just, it's so much fun because these are two coaches that, you know, they're both uh, Pennsylvania born and bred and, and like, yeah, yeah. Fangio, Fangio. uh, That's why he went to the Eagles apparently is, is he wanted to be closer to family and, this is a uh, seventh like, different defensive coordinator job dating all the way back to 1995 with the Panthers, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he, uh, he's 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 never been out of work for very long, that's for sure. And but I mean, they both have that kind of that kind of uh, gruff blue collar Pennsylvania kind of you know stereotype about them and the way that they go about their business. And um, you know, Fangio himself, he, he's he's been very much in the news a lot lately, just because his skit style of defense has really taken the league by storm. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, as it became a very pass happy league and, you know, people like Quinn said, you know, we're going to pretty much double down on um, double down on pass rush. And Fangio was kind of the different way of like, we're doubling down on dropping a whole bunch of guys back in coverage and keeping everything in front of us, different ways of, of approaching the same problem. Both of them had a lot of success, but now, We've seen a lot of these teams adopt the Shanahan style of offense that's more run oriented. And both of these, you know, both Quinn and Fangio, you know, they their their approach to to the pass happy league was like, we're gonna have really light boxes. Well then everyone starts running the ball more and and they're just dominating you because you have small undersized coverage linebackers and you're not loading out the box. Um so so that's what we've kind of seen, and that's one of the reasons I think fundamentally why the Eagles had problems on defense this year because their defensive coordinator who lasted not even a full season was Sean Desai who was a longtime Fangio disciple uh, in Chicago working under him eventually succeeded him as defensive coordinator uh, spent a year in Seattle last year um, and, and then this year you know one of the reasons that they brought him in is because they were already kind of running that Fangio scheme with Jonathan Gannon so then they were like okay we're going to get you know, a real true Fangio disciple. 
things didn't work out. And I think a lot of that is just because the, the, if you want to call it a fad of his scheme, but like, you know, league preferences, league trends shifted and that was no longer, that's no longer like the scheme to, to solve all these, all these problems on offense. But the Eagles were like, oh, it, it wasn't the scheme that's the problem. It's just who's calling the plays. So we'll let Matt Patricia call it for a few weeks for some reason. Um, and then they were like, okay, now, we're, we'll, now we'll bring in the OG, Vic Fangio, and um, you know we'll see how that works out. But for sure, one way or another, it's going to be fun to see McCarthy and Fangio going up against each other twice a year. And then, of course, the added – rivalry of McCarthy versus Kellen Moore. Um, you know, we got to see that earlier this year as well with the chargers. Um, and Dan Quinn, we also saw Dan Quinn kind of knows how to affect Kellen Moore's offense and kind of, uh, you know, play against some of the things that he likes to do. So that'll be really interesting. Personally, I'm not, I'm not really like cowering in fear over it just because I think you saw what happened with the chargers this year when Kellen was there. Um, he's certainly a bright coach, but I think he's still very much developing into how he works, how he wants to be as an offensive coordinator. We saw the improvements that Dallas made on offense with uh, McCarthy taking over play calling. So, you know, I, I'm sure he'll put up numbers for the Eagles and, and their offense, and I'm sure he's going to be able to get a lot more out of Jalen Hurts and this this passing offense. But at the same time, you know, I was I was saying before we actually started recording, I'm really excited to no longer see Devontae Smith and AJ Brown running those deep crossers and instead <laughs> running those, you know, running to the sticks and, and running a hitch route. So um, we'll see how that goes. But I, I personally, just from a pure football standpoint, think it'll be a really fun narrative to watch of McCarthy versus Kellen, McCarthy versus Fangio. So, you know, the NFC East always keeps things interesting, that's for sure. It sure does. For more NFC East talk, make sure to check out the NFC East mixtape with our very own RJ Ochoa representing the Cowboys. That is available on our feed every Wednesday. For more on where you can send your signed Vic Fangio moats, tweet at David Howman at DH44. I myself am at Saul Martin NFL. We'll dive into much more coordinator, Cowboys coaching talk, Cowboys personnel talk. Get it all covered for you week in and week out here on the Hidden Yardage podcast. We'll talk to you leading into 49ers versus Chiefs in Vegas for the Super Bowl. We'll come right on after the game to break it down as well. And then every team will head into the offseason. One that, of course, unfortunately began a couple weeks ago for the Dallas Cowboys, but one that has already been interesting and will give us plenty more to talk about after a new Super Bowl champion is crowned, be it the 49ers who get a thrilling come-from-behind victory against the Lions to advance to the Super Bowl or the Kansas City Chiefs who are inevitable and go on the road for the first time in the Reed Mahomes era and get it done at the Baltimore Ravens, which, by the way, we went also without mentioning, you know, the Chiefs' own defensive performance, which is so par for the course in terms of how NFL has been discussed this year. And, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, like, he gets his credit for a second and then we all forget and it's like, oh, but it's Mahomes. And we go back to forgetting about Spagnuolo, who's not only won Super Bowls with the Chiefs, but with the New York Giants as well. So, want to talk about renowned defensive coordinators, not just Vic Fangio. Um, time to give Steve Spagnola some medicinal flowers, but he gets the task of trying to slow down Kyle Sanahan, so we'll talk much more about that matchup and everything Cowboys going on next week right here on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network and the Hidden Yardage Podcast. <laughs>